0: This is the Mental Metal Podcast, and I am your host, Coach Matt Tummel. I'm a former athlete, teacher, coach, and athletic director that switched careers after surviving cancer and a stroke in the fall of 2020. But I'm also a dad of a son and a daughter that were successful high school athletes that went on to college. Now I use that experience, along with my ICF coaching certification, when helping teams, coaches, and athletes from all over the country. Each week, I will pose a specific question that will help coaches of all types better understand mental toughness. In the Mental Metal Podcast, coaches will learn to help their athletes overcome adversity without being the adversity they need to overcome. Welcome back to the Mental Metal Podcast. I am your host, Coach Matt Thoman, and I am beyond excited for this podcast. I'm always excited for... All of them, but not necessarily for the reasons you think on this one. Sure, I am absolutely stoked about having a former D1 basketball coach and now a current uh, Big Ten assistant coach. Absolutely. Uh, That's that's awesome. Uh, But I'm very excited because of what he ended up saying had to say. And I I wasn't sure where he was going. I, I got a hold of coach Lowry, uh, as a contact through coach corn, who was the last episode, uh, they had work, worked, worked, bef- uh, together. And, you know, I just always love hearing different people's perspectives, especially coaches. And when I had an opportunity to, uh, interview coach Lowry, I, you know, I jumped at the chance. Uh, so not only is he the highest profile coach I've ever interviewed, but he's also the one that, so far, has most embodied my thoughts on mental toughness and mental health. And that's especially true uh, how excited I am because it makes it even better that he and I grew up in similar eras and in the same basic geographic location. Uh, Coach Lowry is just a couple years older than me. I remember watching him when I was in high school, seeing him play in college. And uh, he grew up in Evansville, Indiana, which is the town that I would, you know, as a youngster would travel to whenever I needed to hit a mall or see a concert. Now, the fact that that town was still about 75 miles away from my tra- uh, family farm tells you a little bit about the population or lack thereof of southeastern Illinois. But but I digress. We grew up in the same eras in the same geographical la- location, basically. And uh because of that, it's pretty obvious to say that that we both grew up with the same sort of old school coaches playing for the same sort of tough uh, very passionate communities and yet now we both you know agree on the best way to develop mental toughness in players and it's not the same as that same old school mentality so the fact that we both have that same mindset now but came from where we came from is uh well to be blunt it's the validation that i was looking for (laughs) and having that validation come from one of the most you know successful uh, you know a coach coming from one of the most successful conferences in the nation Well, all the better uh a little bit about me. I, I intend to tell more of my story in this podcast uh, as we go, but I feel compelled to tell a little bit of what this validation I was looking for. Uh, so, a couple years—if you don't know—and and bear with me if you know all of my story. But a, a little bit, I think it it f- it fits with this with this podcast and this guest. A couple of years ago, I did decide to become a life coach. I had come from being a uh, educator. And a basketball coach, uh, but I, you know, after overcoming some of my own struggles, uh, I decided to become a, a life coach. And but when I started, I wasn't sure what clientele I was originally looking for. And after working with several types of clients, everything from businessmen and businesswomen to educators to even some cancer survivors, uh, I finally figured it out and found my calling, and have decided to. F- had my main focus to be working with athletes of all ages. Uh, I knew firsthand that many athletes struggled with anxiety, performance issues, and lack of confidence. And those were the same struggles that I had when I was uh, recovering from that, the one-two punch of cancer and a stroke that I dealt with in 2020. And coaching helped me uh, get through that. So I reasoned that athletes would respond to this inquiry-based coaching that I'm not trained in. Now, no one was telling me to go that way, and it's certainly not the most lucrative coaching path to take. If I wanted to make more money, I could go, uh, you know, get into executive coaching for um, CEOs, and but instead, I I founded mental metal coaching. Uh, and I started catering to athletes and focusing on them, helping them gain mental toughness. And I loved the idea and I had a lot of people tell me it was a great idea. But the problem with building a business around a new idea, because, again, this was my clientele. I Nobody would, had suggested that to me. Uh, the problem with a new idea like this is that you have to explain the idea to someone before you even get around to selling the idea. And that can be difficult, especially if you're not a born salesman, like like I'm not. So for instance, if I were to tell you that I make the best kitchen knife in the world, I would only have to demonstrate why I think mine is the best kitchen knife in the world. I wouldn't have to explain to you anything about the usefulness of a kitchen knife you already know but what is not common knowledge is that my type of coaching this life coach this inquiry-based coaching is useful for athletes There are just not many people doing that and it's you know it was and it still is a problem for me to sell this idea to people I have worked with various marketing companies and they all struggle to help me sell what they say is a very specific niche, okay, whatever that means. And while that's been a struggle, there's been two things that have really helped me keep the business going. And one is continued support from clients. Uh, Most parents are so impressed with the changes in their athlete that they ask me to, you know continue working with their child periodically and as needed. They just see so much progress. They like ask me to work monthly or again as needed. But then the second thing that that has kept the business going is from clients from these or referrals from these same clients that are now satisfied customers. What my clients and the athletes have come to found find out is that an athlete talking to somebody about these fears these anxieties these problems is extremely useful right what they're finding out is that mental toughness and mental health can be developed and taught a lot of people don't always think that it's it's or if it is it's It's taught, you know, the old school way. But having an athlete talk with a trained individual does wonders for lessening their anxiety, increasing their confidence. And often the, the difference is not just noticeable, but it's life changing. And in the coaching business, we call that transformative. That's what we're shooting for. We're shooting for that life changing Uh, mindset right so it's not just an accident when that happens but back to the topic at hand back to the podcast and back to my guest coach Chris Lowry my guest today made me just extremely happy when unprompted he started talking about how their players he is an assistant coach now for Northwestern in the Big Ten and he's started to tell me about how their players regularly meet with a trained team psychiatrist. And in this interview you're going to hear him mention how important that is for the players to uh, discuss their issues with an impartial trained individual. When I ask him about mental toughness, uh he's he's going to describe these these very deliberate actions and, and how they, again, work with a team psychiatrist and how they share and how the coaches share information with their athletes. Chris is a phenomenal defensive coach. He has increased the, the defensive ability of, of, the, of the Northwestern once he became the assistant there. And he helps develop these very gritty, tough-minded defensive teams. So it was, a, it was just, again, it was that validation that I knew to be true, but hearing it from him, whenever this guy developing these teams, the proof is in the pudding and he's talking about how they, you know, it's okay to share information with athletes and it's okay for them to meet with someone to develop that mental toughness through a conversation. So it's, and you'll hear him in this interview, it's gone are the days of shut your mouth and get on the baseline. I'm sure that they run an extremely intense practice that is not, You know for the timid it's not for the weak but that's just the point as a coach you don't have to be the constant hammer beating kids into submission mental toughness can be developed through a conversation and through intentionality and with mental tools the adversity will be there sports it it, the adversity will be there right it's the conversation and these tools that help them get through it and i know this to be true because i see it happen every day with my clients it was just so refreshing to hear it from such a highly highly successful coach so but enough from me let's hear from coach lowry in his own words coaches empower your athletes to overcome adversity with the mental metal academy teach them to face and conquer hardship without adding extra pressure Visit the link in the show notes and enter the code metal that's M-E-T-T-L-E, at checkout for a special listener discount. The Mental Metal Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Quick Cut. Quick Cut is the new alternative to Huddle. It's no secret why Quick Cut is the fastest growing platform in the country. Their video analysis platform has everything you need. Plus, you'll get triple the storage at about half the price and now get even more when you use the promo code 50 hours or 50 hours of free video storage make the switch you'll be glad you did visit quickcut.com today so on today on the mental metal podcast uh, our question is a question i ask often anytime i get a voice and a coach that i want to Pick his brain. Uh, I ask about how coaches uh, can build and develop mental toughness in players, and in this case, basketball. My guest today is Coach Chris Lowry. Uh, Chris got a, a just. I, I'm so excited to pick his brain a little bit. I uh, grew up not far from uh, from where he uh, was a high school standout in uh, Evansville, Indiana, and he went on to play at Southern Illinois University under the legendary coach rich heron which is as a southern illinois guy that was a big deal uh for me and uh he helped uh, siu to a couple terminate births back in 93 and 94 right about when i was uh graduating high school so i was paying attention and uh had a great career there he ended on he's uh was assistant at southern illinois illinois kansas state and then he was the head coach at Southern Illinois for eight seasons, gave him two MVC championships and three NCAA tournaments, and now he's the assistant head coach or assistant coach at Northwestern in the Big Ten. And I see here, Coach, he also had a was the inaugural winner of the Howard Moore Assistant Coach of the Year. So... I'm I'm impressed that that you're here uh, to talk to me. So that's just the first question I'll ask you here is just whenever I say mental toughness and how to
1: develop it and how to build
0: it, what do you
1: got for me, Coach? Well, I think it sometimes it comes from within yourself, and sometimes you know that mental toughness comes from who coaches you. Um, and if you if you if you play for a fiery guy or a guy who who wears his heart on his sleeve, you're probably going to be just like, you know, that guy. And, you know, obviously I played for the legendary Rich Heron and, and and Coach Heron was fiery and Coach Heron loved the game. And if you didn't have those same instincts and attitudes, you were not going to get in the game for, for Coach Heron. So, um, you know, picking up some of that from him and, and probably the number one guy is my high school coach, Gerald Van Dievener, who was a, really a, a great high school coach who really pushed us really, really hard um, on a daily basis and taught us to compete with each other. Don't be friends in practice. You know, I think at a, at a young age, that's hard to do when you're in the same high school and your same classes with your buddies. And then when you go to practice, you're not supposed to act like your friends, but you're supposed to compete. And that's, that's, that's a thing that's kind of lost uh, because nobody wants to, to make their friends look bad. But if you if you approach it that way, then it comes across that way. But if you approach it in a way that it's to get each other better, uh, then it makes you better in the long run.
0: Yeah, and like like I said, we we kind of grew up in the same eras, and that's uh, I didn't play with anybody, play for anybody as as illustrious as who you played for, but it was the same kind of mentality. It was like I think that I don't know has coaching changed at the at the high school and and some levels that have affected that mentality or what, what's different?
1: I think, I think some of it is coaching, obviously. Some of it is just the change of the world. It's, it's different. Kids are raised different. Um, You know, I grew up in the, in the time where when your coach told you to do something, you didn't question it. You just did it because you believed that he knew he was what he was talking about. I think now, you know, kids want to know why they're doing it. What, what are the benefits of, of me doing this? Uh, going to help me personally when it used to be how can I help the team I want to help the team I want to be the best player for the team Um, now it's how can I be the best version of myself to be to to help be Mm. the best version of our team so I think that's the biggest difference Uh, but when you get a good group that buys into that that's where you see the teams that are playing really well in NCAA tournament or on the high school level that really do a good job playing together
0: so how do you if kids come to you like that, like I said, you've been at several different, you know, D1 schools and now you're in the Big Ten. Like, is that the way, like, are the kids that come to you, have they changed? I mean, you've been coaching for a while. Have you seen that change?
1: The biggest change has probably been parenting. You know, the biggest the parents, <laughs> if you go to watch a AU game and you just watch the stands, I mean, it's like a, kind of like a soap opera at times. It's, it's the craziness and. And the approach of how people treat the the referees, the AAU coaches, the other family members—it's it's really really at times crazy. But then again, you go watch other AAU programs, and they they get it, and it's it's really about making sure the kids understand that by winning, you get scholarship offers, yeah, not by showing up, you know. And and the one big thing that people you know always you know get mad about AAU basketball is that. Kids aren't playing to win; they're playing for scholarships. Well, if you if you if you were to show up at the EYBL Peach Jam, you would see that those dudes <laughs> are playing to win a Peach Jam championship. It's a very big deal. Yeah, uh, so that's not necessarily true either. It's just having the balance of understanding: are you are you scholarship chasing? Are you trying to become a better player? And are you trying to get better? You know, in the summer and use that as a tool to help your high school team win state championships.
0: Yeah. How do you, I, I'm assuming you spend some time on the recruiting trail. Uh, how do you, as you're and, and you can't do it without going to a U tournaments. Right. How do you, how do you notice, how do you suss that stuff out? Like, how do you pay it? T- how much does that factor in when you're watching kids in these a U tournaments and even their parents? And how how do you, uh, how do you evaluate that stuff?
1: Well, you just about, eval- you just people watch, you watch your player, you watch how they respond to coaching are they always looking at their, you know, their family members in the stands instead of looking, you know, at their coaches or or, or trying to listen to what the coaches are asking them to do? Because they're not going to listen to that guy. They're probably not going to listen to you right. uh, when they come to you. Um, and and I just think the biggest thing you just see how people are because you you get the difference between college and high school. In, in high school, you play somewhere because you live in that district. In college, we go get who we want. You know, that's the biggest. Like kids don't understand. Like, if it's a business, if you don't produce, we're going to go get another guy the next, you know, recruiting cycle that that will produce. And it's not, it becomes, it's the business side of college athletics. Um, and that's what, you know, a lot of people don't understand when you're trying to get these scholarships, you're actually joining, you know, like, literally some Fortune 500 companies. Um, it costs $85,000 to go to Northwestern. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> illustrious degree, a top 10 university in the world. Um, You get a piece of paper from there, you're set for life. So we have to recruit a certain kind of kid who academically can have success here along with the basketball side of it too, in the big 10.
0: Yeah. And that's, and so in my, in, in my profession now, I end up working with some D one athletes and I've, I've worked with kids that have been on the other side of that business and have really struggled with that. um, And that, that mentality and, I don't know what's the what's the advice, you know, from being in that in that position. What do you, what do you have for athletes that are headed to that the business like world? What athlete or, you know what what advice do you have for them?
1: You should pick the school that loves you. Um, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, one of my best friends, Calvert Cheney played with me in high school. Another good friend of mine who played with me in high school is is Walter McCarty. Calvert Cheney went to IU. Walter McCarty went to Kentucky. Chris Lowry wasn't good enough to go to either one of those. <laughs> so I had to go to the school that loved me. And because of that, I had everything Coach Herring told me came true. I was get a degree. I was going to have a great life for myself after I got that degree and was going to win championships and go to the NCAA tournament at Southern Illinois. That was the truth from a very a genuine man. And, and what he told me happened. That doesn't necessarily always happen, the truth, right. in recruiting. And going somewhere where they literally love you versus somewhere where they just see you as a ranked player, and we want to add you to our add value to our program, is a is a, is something you got to think about because sometimes the place you love and want to be at is not the best place for you, and and I, sometimes like kids get caught up with you know the blue blood side of who's recruiting them as opposed to who can really help them reach their end game, whether that's being a professional player. Whether that's getting into college, coaching afterwards, you know, or 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 just being a you know having a great degree from an institution, so those are things that you have to to, to look at and ask yourself: If I didn't play basketball at this school, would I still love going here? And that's a question that a lot of kids will probably tell you no.
0: Yeah, and that's that's amazing. How do they, you know, how do they? A kid that's highly recruited get in place and how, how do? How do they find that? How do you how do you figure that out? Like in a in a recruiting trip, right? How do you be like, oh, this place loves me and this place doesn't? That's it's difficult,
1: but it is difficult. But I think how the, the their approach to recruiting you shows you. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens before the visit, you know. If they if they've continuously you know been in contact with you, continuously um, shown you that you are, you know, the guy they want they want in their program, and then when you go to the visit. Um, and you know, most of times kids go more than once. They go to a, they go to a game, and then they'll go to a football game, and then they'll do an official visit. And you know, where well, they're there for forty eight hours with their parents and their families to to really see if this place is it for me. And um, you you have to do your research. You have to do um, a thorough research instead of being in love with the team colors and oh, that's my favorite color. I've loved that team since I was a little kid. You know, you gotta you gotta fall in love with with how can this program help me and that's that's not a selfish way to think about it because the, the number one thing a happy player is a good player when players aren't happy they're not good players and they're disgruntled and they want to leave but when you have happy guys those are those are the teams that usually win
0: yeah no it's a really good point like you you got to go somewhere that you're happy uh it's good for everybody how do you like what's the difference between I mean you get not everybody like everybody that you bring in wants to be you know the stud, right? They you know when you get recruited, you coming from that that you know like you said that top level AAU or that you know state championship whatever and they're like they're going to be the guy, right? And they said I'm I'm going to be him, right? What's the difference what's the difference makers for the kids that make it and stick it out because college basketball is hard. Um what's the difference between the kids that, that make it and that and that don't
1: well the kids that the kids that make it are usually the ones that want to be coached number one really, really good people want to be challenged want to be coached um they they want to be they want to be told what can make them better because they're never satisfied um you know and that that th- those kids are the hard workers those are kids that are self-motivators not pro- procrastinators like sometimes the kids that don't make it, they, they fall in love with recruiting and the process of recruiting is much easier to like than the process of being a really good player. Cause people say, trust the process. The process is hard. The process <laughs> is difficult. The process is not fun, but we tell our guys all the time at Northwestern is not, it's not going to always be fun, but it's going to be worth it. And, and that's what, that's what you got to, you know, attempt to, to think about as a young player, man, this is, this is not going to always be fun. But when when I when I overcome my fears, to use my left hand in traffic, or I, when I when I when I can feel confident about my three ball shooting it without hesitation, I'm gonna be a good player. Yeah. And and trusting in that process that I'm gonna put enough work ethic where those things are gonna be my strengths in the future, and and really not fall in line with the right now mentality of everything. I want to be a starter right now. I want to be the best guy. On a team full of seniors, when I'm a freshman right now, which is probably not going to happen, no. you know, and and just trusting that the people that recruited you have in place and 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 in play a plan for you, and you got to realize that it's not going to be overnight, and you know, overnight success takes a long, long, long time, and that's yeah, what understand?
0: Yeah, no, it does. It's we you only see. We get to see when people are at the top of the mountain. They don't, we don't see the climb. Right. Um, you have any, um, any stories of like, you talk about these kids that come in and they all think they're going to be, you know, the man right away. Um, and I know you're looking for good kids when you recruit, but not, I'm sure that not every kid that you've recruited comes and shows up and is like, is not as ready and mentally tough that you need. You got any success stories for, Helping kids develop that that toughness that they needed.
1: Well, I think the old way used to be you just smashed them out and made them. Yeah, you just got to be tough, and you just worked them hard and you you worked them long. <laughs> but now there's a different way with um, with the mental health people mm-hmm. that are that are involved, and our our, our psychiatrists and our, our people that 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 kids can actually talk to. That's another way of reinforcing mental toughness is talking about why you're not, why you think you're not tough and why you think you're not a good player. And what do I need to do uh, to become a good player? Sometimes talking about that to people that you're close with is not a good thing. You need an unbiased opinion yeah. on who doesn't see you as a competitor, but sees you as a person that they're trying to help. Um, and and that the new thing with the mental health is, is really saving a lot of professional guys' careers because they've lost confidence, or they don't understand why they can't hit a hit a curveball anymore, or, or can't, you know, I, I can't make make that read in the pocket as a quarterback. What's wrong with me? And sometimes just as simple as talking to someone about it. Uh, really can help you gain confidence, as opposed to benching somebody, as opposed to cutting them, as opposed to saying you're not any good anymore. You know, now you see more people. Dealing with their with their sports mental health people, and really saving their careers and helping them prolong, um, you know their careers.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because it's the old, like you said, what what we grew up and I, I I'll never forget the old uh, what was it the Bobby Knight thing about the 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 only motivator is the is the bench right and that's he had right. that whole thing <laughs> yeah and and that and that was the way right and and I'm not saying that there's not a little bit to that but I, I'm I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. Uh, you're talking about your, your guys go and meet with sports psychologists and things like that. That's, that's what I do. And that's what I, that's what I'm trying to get through to people. A lot of times is that that conversation about it is just as important as, you know, as the action and having that conversation. So I, I love hearing that. Um, where, uh, when did that change? Cause you, when did you first start coaching college ball?
1: My first year in uh college coaching was ninety five ninety six at Rin Lake. Okay. <laughs> you oh,
0: Rin Lake, that. nice. Junior College. So you got so you were straight out of uh straight out of college you went in and grad assistant?
1: Well, straight for when I grew, I had a fifth year of school, so I was the student assistant practice everyday guy for Coach Heron and <laughs> so he he said, I'm gonna pay for your school, you gonna practice every day for me so you know, my fifth year of school, I actually practiced every single day, and you know that's when I kind of got the coaching bug, and, and and really wanted to wanted to do it. And then from there, I went right to Ren Lake, and had two years there for Coach Tim Wills, and so you know, coaching every level, man, junior college, Division two, um, low major, mid major, high major, being a head coach, and so you know, I ran the gamut of of things to do as a, as an as assistant coach, and, and on the way up.
0: Yeah. What do you, what do you love about where you're at now?
1: You know, I, I love like, it's, it's funny. Like 20 years ago, I was one of the youngest assistants in the big 10, you know, when I was at Illinois. Now I'm a veteran and <laughs> I'm an older veteran now. Um, and to be able to come full circle and be back in this league is, you know, I mean, it, it's number number one, it's gratifying because it's a great league. It's one of the best in the, in the country and the history and the legacy of of so many teams. And the the good thing about it being at Northwestern is that we're for a program that's been continuously on the lower end to be on the uptick and to be here and be a part of things that happened Um, last year, first year ever beating the number one team in the country. Um, First time winning five straight big 10 games in a row, Um, you know, finishing second in the big 10 last year, which, you know, everybody had us pick 12 or lower. So those type of things uh, got me so excited about being back. I was excited before. Now I'm even more excited about our chances in the future at Northwestern.
0: No, it's it's it is it's fun to watch. Yeah, I follow that league since I was a kid. So it's it. You're right. Northwestern was always the usually forgot about them, but but it's you guys are coming up. So I want to take a break here for just a minute. When we come back. I just want to talk about a little bit about. Uh, some advice you'd have for coaches of of, like you said you've done so many different levels about how to face that you know see setbacks and see adversity and how they can help kids get over those things without the help of you know a northwestern psychiatrist right to be able to do that right so because that's a nice thing to have but not everybody's got that so let me take for a take a bit of a break and we'll be right back in a recent study done by the ncaa it was revealed that 31% of male athletes and a staggering 48% of female athletes experience depression or anxiety at some point. As adults, it's crucial that we address these issues and provide the necessary support systems for the athletes that we care about. And that's where mental mental coaching comes in. My student athlete coaching program is dedicated to helping young athletes develop mental toughness on and off the court. So join me at Mental Metal Coaching and together, let's empower athletes to overcome the mental obstacles and enhance their performance and lead fulfilling lives. Visit the website shown in the show notes or contact me directly to learn about the program. Invest in the mental well-being of your athletes with Mental Metal Coaching and see them excel. The Mental Metal Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Quick Cut. Quick Cut is the new alternative to huddle. It's no secret why QuickCut is the fastest growing platform in the country. Their video analysis platform has everything you need. Plus, you'll get triple the storage at about half the price. And now get even more when you use the promo code 50HOURS for 50HOURS of free video storage. Make the switch. You'll be glad you did. Visit QuickCut.com today. And we are back with coach chris lowry and we're talking about uh coaching at all different levels he's worked uh from juco to d2 to mid 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 major now to the big 10 and we're talking about the question i wanted to ask him was what advice does he have for you know i I market this or you know i I dedicate this course or this class to i'm sorry this podcast to um coaches of all levels who are trying to develop some mental toughness in their athletes. And as you said, I think the old school way was, Oh, if they're not tough, we're just going to run them till they're tough. Well, then that can create a whole lot of animosity. Uh, it, 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 you know, it, really rep- it damages the, the relationship between the player and the, and the coach, and that's not what you want. So I'm really looking for some strategies here that you might have for developing some mental toughness without, like like you said, get on the line.
1: Right. I think, I think you know, with nowadays, you, you, you have to challenge the team. When you, when, you, when you want a certain guy or a certain group to be tougher, you challenge the team and, and give them a task. And you say, hey, guys, in this this next two-minute segment, we have to get this done. And if it's not done, the whole team is running. So basically, this is – or we'll put, you know, whatever, however many minutes in, in overtime. You put the overtime minutes on the clock and say, hey, guys, we have to get this done by these overtime minutes. And if we don't, we lost. So be prepared to deal with whatever comes with, with us losing here in practice. We don't make these times. And And just – finding ways to make games out of stuff to trick them into being mentally tough and to trick them into thinking, man, this is, this is fun. You know, when it's really a learning lesson for them and we, we've done things like that to help our guys, but we also, we've also, you know, just pushed them. I mean, still pushing a young man, still taking a young man and, and, and having him realize I didn't think I could go there and I went even further. Like you, you need to, you need to test your limits. And as as a young player, it's easy to hit the quit button. When we talk about guys mm. you hit the quit button and quit all the time, and quit when it gets tough, sometimes you just you can't let them do it. You got to you got to push them, and, and you got to ride them and make them make them see, man, you really can do this. You're good at this, and and with consistent, um, you know, positive talk to them while you're pushing them and being hard on them they understand that you care about them. Because that's all, the kids nowadays, like back in the day, we didn't, you know, coach didn't care if you loved them, hated them. You yeah. know, it's just the way it was. You know, now yeah. the kids really got to think that you care about them to for them to play for you. You know, we were so bad. So when I grew up, we were so scared that if Coach V didn't like us, he wouldn't play us. And we were so scared that if we did things wrong in practice, that we we knew we were gonna be running after practice, and and the, the fear of, the, of of dealing with him, as opposed to just doing this play right, be perfect, you know, do this what I do this task the right way, was way easier than dealing with his wrath after practice.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you mentioned like I think in the it, in the old days it was a given that the kids were gonna respect the coaches right and Absolutely. you know and I don't want to get onto the this whole thing about society and but that's changed right it's not just a given that they're going to go in and respect the coaches uh but I think that in order for them to work hard for you you've got to get that respect somehow
1: right i think now with with these the new kids respect comes from information respect comes mm even if they see banners hung up with what you did in the past, that doesn't matter to them. And you can explain to them how I'm going to get to that banner, then none of that matters. And explanation, through explanation, through film, through testimonies of former players, through, you know, they've got to see it work for them before they believe in it. And that's just the way it is, as opposed to playing blindly and just trusting. what the coach said, like you said, they have to see it work for them before they believe in it. And that's just, that's just the way it is. And I, I tell you a funny story about Coach Heron. When I was a freshman, I was late to practice, and I was so scared. And Coach <laughs> met me at the door said, hey, come on in, Coach. You know, come on in, Chris, have a seat. You know, I want you, you know, you're all right. Everybody's in the, and I looked at they were and I, I can tell they were mad at me because they knew something was going to happen. Coach Heron just put me in the middle of the floor, and he goes, well, what what kind of soda do you like? Uh, I said, oh, coach, I like Sprite. And so coach had one of the managers go get me a Sprite. He set me down in the middle of the floor and opened the Sprite and said, you drink, when you're done drinking that, that soda, they'll be done running. And so you wouldn't believe the things that were being said to me when they ran past me, when I was in the middle of that floor and just small stuff. Coach, Coach Heron never once said a coarse word to me that he was a, he was a Christian man, good man. Um, but that right there taught me something, without yelling at me, without cursing at me. Yeah. But the, but the team mob sometimes is so important that you can pull people in that don't necessarily believe in it. So when you get the mob in the right direction, and you get the team, and I and I was never late because I was scared. Those seniors oh, were. Oh. Uh, I, yeah. I I was I was like the last to go to the locker room because I was like so nervous what they were going to do to me if i went to the locker room after they just got done running the whole practice
0: oh you and you just probably you don't know that it probably didn't happen to all of them at some point right <laughs> and, and but but yeah what so can you maybe i'm wrong but could you imagine even doing something like that now
1: you know i, th- I think i think the kids would really laugh at it like they would think it would be funny until i said well we're going to run yeah <laughs> they was like they would probably say i'm not running for him you know yeah. that's that's what you did back then you picked up your teammate you did what you're supposed to do leave no band behind like even though he screwed up you better pick him up you know now it's and, it, and it's different and you have you got to learn how to fight through it and get it to that point where you know guys will say hey man we got to do this together this is a team one guy fails we all fail and and that's really the point and the things you got to drive across with with the with the new era player is we everything we do together, all the individual stuff you want, you'll get it if we're if we have a good team. Yeah,
0: no, and that's it, it's changed. A lot of it's changed, but a lot of it's the same. I think the end result has to be the same. You gotta they gotta do things for each other. They gotta respect the coach. But how you get around to those things are it's different. It just has right. to be different. Um. So I got to ask transfer portal. How does that Yeah, I I know. And 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 I'm a I'm a fan as much as anything and as you and I talked, I got I got a kid playing college basketball, so it's always a conversation and I work with athletes. How does how does the need to be tough and mentally tough and being successful? How does that How does the transfer portal play into that?
1: Well, I mean, a bit I mean the transfer portal um I mean we've taken advantage of it I mean you have to it's just the way it is you know you could either not be with the new times and fall behind and try to be stubborn and try to only get high school kids and then everybody else is getting yeah third and fourth and fifth year guys on the transfer portal you you're just not going to win with all young guys you just it's so hard to do. Experience is the name of the game in college basketball nowadays. So um, the transfer portal, you're going to get two ways. And I think about my time as a, as a coach at Southern Illinois, as assistant and a head coach, we redshirted a lot of guys. Yeah. You know, Darren Brooks was back-to-back offensive, defensive player of the year. Well, he never would have got to the second year with this new. He would have right. been gone. They, somebody would have stolen from us. in the NIL, you give him money they're gone, you know, you know, Jamal Tatum probably would have been gone after his junior year. We had so many guys that redshirted that in their redshirt junior year, they would have not played their fifth year in Carbondale. And, and that's just the way uh, of the world right now. And, you know, if you, you can, you can, the old days, you, when you got a guy and you took a transfer, you had to set out. Right, and you developed a relationship with the guy sitting out, so he became your player in a year. now, the good thing about it not sitting out is that player can play for you right away and the, yeah. but the thing about it is that that guy who set out usually got twenty four credit hours and graduated on time and now, because he set out and he couldn't play, he just went to school for the whole year now mm-hmm. that's eliminated. Now you're just playing, you know, games and you're playing again without that extra 24 credit credit hours that you got by sitting now and not playing.
0: How does it affect? And I get, oh, I get the benefit, right? As a coach, you're like, hey, we need a we need a we need a stretch 4 let's just go find one. Right. I mean, yeah, especially and especially you're you're in the you're in the power conference now. You're in the Big Ten. So it's like it's you're shopping a little bit at, at times. Right. Good. I get it. But. How do you keep – I mean, let's say you get a good freshman coming in and you're like, man, we want him to be – we think he's going to be the guy in two years. Well, mm. he's not happy being on the bench for two years. How do you – like how do you – how do you keep that?
1: That's the – that's the getting them to trust the process, and it's so hard because you they can leave and go somewhere and have instant – Yeah. You know, instant playing time, but, you know – my old thing, and when we talk to kids about transfer, it's what I heard a long time ago. The grass ain't always greener. It can be spray painted. <laughs> you know, so you could get over there and it looks green. You're like, uh-oh, I should have stayed where I was at. So a lot of that's happening now that kids can just take off and go. And then they realize, man, I had a really good where I was. Um, but just because you can go do something and not sit out, doesn't mean you should do it. And and those are the hardest to keep. The young guys who have success, and then they realize they're a good player. Well, let me see if who really who who's interested in me now. But why would you do that? You're a good player here. Well, I just want to test the waters and see you know yeah. where, where it's at. And you never want your kids to do that. But but again, a happy player is a good player, man. So you just <laughs> got to figure it out and, and make sure that. That you you are constantly in touch, and in the spring you'll ask a lot of college guys. Most of the time we're recruiting our own players to stay, and this day, <laughs> we're not recruiting a lot of new guys yet. We're recruiting our that's, good returners to come back, and 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 you have to.
0: That's amazing. I didn't thought about it that way, but man, it's like uh, as an assistant who's there, you know, you part of your job is recruiting. It's like there you go, like you're. <laughs> I got to go wine and dine my own player.
1: Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's it with them. And yeah, show them where, you know, tell them what the vision is for next year for them. Um, you don't want to ever not think about your returners and get so caught up with who's coming that you don't make sure that who's staying and coming back and returning uh, aren't happy.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, that's, it's amazing. So have you had any situations I can, and I don't know this, but you, you, Like, I'm just thinking like a kid that's having a tough year and he's like, man, this is hard. These guys are pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. I think I'm just going to hit the easy button and I'll just transfer because I know it's going to be easier somewhere else.
1: Yeah. I mean, that happens a lot. I mean, you can look at how many guys were in the portal, staggering amounts, over a thousand, you know, before, you know, the, the, the portal opened up, like most some guys transferring don't even have like schools recruit, like they don't even have the numbers where somebody else would say, Hey, I want to take that kid. They're just transferring. Just because like you said, I'm not happy. I'm going to take a, I'm going to bet on myself. That's the new saying Mm -hmm. bet on myself and and try to go somewhere else. And hopefully that turns into some, something positive for me as a player.
0: So, and, and I mean, part of me is like, that's, I mean that's a very positive confident ad- attitude but there there's there's problems with it and yeah and I'm not going to you know I'm not going I'm not going to ask you this question and want you to say anything but there's aren't there are also probably coaches that aren't doing it the right way either.
1: Yeah, I mean but it is what it is like you can yeah. you just you can't worry about how guys do it you just got to do it how you do it and do it to your best ability. And, and and there's a reason why last year there was over 300 kids who didn't have a scholarship to play Division One that gave them up getting into the portal. You know, at the fall the start of this year, there's you know there's guys who having to go D two NAI because they didn't have a scholarship because you know hey I, thinking the grass is greener it was, it was spray painted for them. people were telling me yeah. telling them hey you're gonna get these offers if you get in the portal but those offers didn't come.
0: So I didn't I didn't realize that uh, three hundred guys last year thought, "Hey, I'm going to go somewhere else. Somebody will pick me up D one," and they ended up at a lower level. Yeah, which yeah. yeah, which isn't always you know you know you you coach some D two too. It's not yeah. like it's, I mean, it's you can be real. Yeah, it's a great level and you can be happy there. I think, and that's what I work with. I, I've never met a kid. I work with kids from all ages and I've never met a kid who don't, who doesn't want to go D1. And it's always one of my first questions. It's like, why D1? Like, and they don't even have an answer. It's like, well, okay, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the mindset. So, um, last question, the question here, coach, and we'll let you go. Uh, I always just ask, what, what have I not asked that I should have asked? What, what do you, what, what, Pearls of wisdom, do you have have for me for the coaches listening?
1: I think for young coaches, you know, just take the job. You know, you know. I think mm. so many times you get caught up with wanting the job you want. Sometimes you got to take one that's not great and make it great. You know, because that's how you develop a track record. You don't develop a track record by going somewhere where they already rent, win, they're already established. You 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 establish a track record by going somewhere where that's historically not been a good place or Historically, doesn't pay well. Or historically, you know they have bad kids there, or nobody, nobody's ever won there. That's how you become a good coach. Learning through the tough times. You don't, you don't become a good coach when you're winning all the time and, and everything's easy. You, you learn, you really learn how to coach when the the, the deck and the odds are stacked against you. You got to figure things out, and um, those are the most fun times. When you when, you're, when you see a group of kids come in one way and leave with their head up another way, and um, th- those are the ones you have lifetime relationships with, and and you you go to their weddings and you see them having grandkids yeah. and kids, and you know now I mean it's 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 just amazing to to be a part of uh, this coaching uh, process and um, in college basketball.
0: I think that yeah I. I... That's so important. Just that whole idea of, of was there's an old, old expression that I know you from coaching from the old, what is it? You can't make chicken salad out of chicken feathers or whatever, however you want to say it. And I think that so many coaches get caught up in that and they, and I do think a lot of coaches, um, the same sort of mental toughness that they're claiming their kids don't have that sometimes I don't think they have it. Mm-hmm. the way they need to either like yeah it's going to be hard for you too it's coaching isn't easy right it's going to be you but, should you should have that same spirit that you're wanting your kids to have and if you're not exampling that and embodying that i i, I think they they pick up on that so
1: right right that's you fail them because you can't consistently trying to you know fighting with them about letting letting me into your life without giving them the same without opening up and letting mm-hmm. them into yours and. You know, that's what the where it is with, with kids nowadays. They just wanna know what's up with you. And and you and that is something very small and simple, but it's big to them, you know. What's up, coach? Like like literally you just talk giving them five minutes of your time and not talking about who, you know, checking on their family, checking how you're doing academically, their girlfriend, just just the person um, and not the points or the number on their back, like that's so important to, to these young people.
0: Yeah, that's. I love what you're saying. It's it's the old, you know, the old. It's my way or the highway. It really doesn't work much anymore. And it's all about if you want to get the way you get that respect is by the information and letting them know you're on their team, right? And you're no and question. you're working with them. No question. That's it's fantastic stuff, Coach. I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh it's just been great talking to you and i sure appreciate it and this has been the mental metal podcast the mental metal podcast is brought to you by our friends at quick cut quick cut is the new alternative to huddle it's no secret why quick cut is the fastest growing platform in the country their video analysis platform has everything you need plus you'll get triple the storage at about half the price and now get even more when you use the promo code 50 hours or 50 hours of free video storage make the switch you'll be glad you did visit quickcut.com today coaches empower your athletes to overcome adversity with the mental metal academy teach them to face and conquer hardship without adding extra pressure Visit the link in the show notes and enter the code metal. that's M-E-T-T-L-E, at checkout for a special listener discount. And I am back with some breakdown on that interview, and I just hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Again, I loved it because it gave me so much validation for so many of the things I've been working on with athletes and coaches themselves. And if you listen to the advertisements on this podcast, one, thank you for listening to that. And two, you'll hear me sell uh some of my coaching services and and the class, the online class I have for coaches. And this inter the interview today with Coach Lowry, I could not help but hear him exemplify so many of the ideas that I teach in that course. So for the breakdown today, I kind of want to point out some of the ideas that I heard on the interview that I obviously really agree with, and think need to be uh, discussed a little bit more for coaches in trying to help their athletes. And the first thing that I noticed, I I didn't talk about this in the intro, uh, just because I wanted everybody to hear it, but uh, and you know experience as he said it, but I loved. The conversation about AAU basketball. Uh, when I so I you know it's AAU basketball. It's it can be phenomenal. It can be there's good there's bad, uh, but it's a necessity for coaches, uh, recruiting coaches because they're so busy during the year. It's hard for them to do they so they can get out on the recruiting trail in the summer. so That's you know the biggest reason for the AAU that's it's useful for them and when i asked him for what he looks at when he goes to aau tournaments you'll notice he didn't like he didn't even talk about physical ability he talked a little bit about winning but he wasn't worried about jump shots uh handles uh dunks any of those things and honestly he can tell all those things a lot by just which team you're on and he can find that stuff on film but he said and His words were I'm there to people watch, which is but if you've been to an AAU tournament, it's phenomenal people watching. Um but what is he looking for there? Well, what he's looking for in in you know, to to put it in a nutshell, he's looking for people's reactions to circumstances, okay, both for the player and for the parent. Things like how do they respond to officials? How do they respond to the coach? How do they work with the teammates? How do they handle themselves against tough competition? Things like that. When I work with players and coaches, I help them understand that a lot of mental toughness comes from their focus. Are you focusing on the things you can control, such as effort? And attitude or are you focusing on the things you cannot control like refs coaches and other bad situ- other you know potentially bad situations when a coach comes to you that's recruiting he's looking for how you handle adversity and how well you dismiss the uncontrollables in your life do you focus on things you can control or things you can't? And a lot of that you can things like, you know, arguing with a coach, arguing with a ref, the bad body language, almost all of those are in response to circumstances. So when he's people watching, it's it's seeing how people respond to adversity in these bad circumstances. So that's one thing that I really noticed. Another one was that I loved it when he said he wants players that want to be coached and that seems like an obvious one but it goes a little bit deeper to that into the psychology in order to want to be coached you have to admit that you're not perfect which is hard for some young athletes that have been you know studs all their life Uh, you have to be accept you know you have to be accepting of criticism which is hard for everybody right and you have to always you know Always want to be striving to get better. In the coaching profession, those ideas, we call that a, having a growth mindset, having a growth mindset versus having a fixed mindset. And having this mindset means that you believe that you are able to improve and it just is going to take time and effort to get there. Very few players come into the college level ready to compete as they are. So a recruiting coach is less interested in your current abilities than he is more. And he's more interested in your ability to improve on your abilities. If that makes sense, you have to want to be coached in order to get better. You should honestly, a young player should want the criticism, should want to know what they need to get better. Uh, It's just a fundamental idea that I share with my clients and with my coaches uh, that I work with. It's, it's also an entire chapter in my, uh, course that I have for parents and coaches. And another uh, quote that he said on is one that we hear all the time. We hear people say, trust the process. Everybody knows that when it's fun, you'll see it on t-shirts or, or different verses or different versions of it. But then he added to it and he said, he said, trust the process But the process is hard. And that second part is so important and it needs to be said more often. In order for us to grow, something needs to be hard. Right? If we're always having it easy all the time, we don't grow. Adversity is not something we should be running from. It should be something that we should be seeking. If you know me at all, you hear me say those things all the time. You have to be okay with the hard in order to grow. But the trick is you have to have the right mindset that for that to ever happen. You have to start changing the way you see the world. And that's not easy. If you are in a negative mindset and you cringe or run away when something is hard, you it's hard for you to even understand that it's possible to feel different. But the brain is no different than than a muscle. If you use it right consistently and practice something, you'll get better at various things. Uh and if you start to look at the world a little bit differently, it's hard at first, but you can change and become more ready to face that difficult process. Again, in my course, we really, you know, I really lay down some of the stuff about neuroplasticity and neural path- pathways and how they can be developed. It's, they're absolutely something that you can change. So if you aren't okay with the process being hard, then you're not going to grow that much. So you have to change your mindset around seeking that adversity and wanting things to be difficult. Uh, Yet another thing he said, uh, just how much emphasis I picked up from coach Lowry on positivity. It came out often. I heard him say several things. He said, uh, a happy player is a good player. That's a great idea. Pick a school that loves you. Not one that you like the colors or the team that you like the mascot. Pick the school that loves you. And my favorite on the positivity, we were talking about running and working hard and, and really pushing them. But then he said, as the coach, you have to have that consistent, positive talk. And I love that because words matter. As coaches, you need to be the example for the type of words that you want an athlete to have in their own internal voice the most confident and the happiest players have positive strong confident internal voices you have to model that for them and you have to promote it and you have to practice it the research on this is undeniable Positive voices and positive internal voices yield positive results and negative voices and negative internal voices yield negative results. It's that easy. You cannot have a negative mindset and expect a positive result. It doesn't work. It's okay to be hard on a player. It's okay to be frustrated. It's just, it's hard, you know, it's okay to get on them. But you have to understand that your mindset and your words become their mindset and their internal voices. So you have to be cognizant of that. Again, I have an entire chapter devoted to this idea of voices and athletes and why it's so important and how to develop them. So it was great to hear him talk about using that constant positive voice. I could go on and on and really geek out on some of the things he talked about. Uh, But like I said, I've I've probably done, said enough here. Um, And even without my commentary, Coach Lowry did a phenomenal job of illustrating so many of the ideas I preach and teach to athletes and coaches. The bottom line is that the mindset of an athlete is fundamental to success. And if you aren't being Intentional about improving it, then you are not doing everything you can as a coach. So that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. And this has been the Mental Metal Podcast with Coach Matt Toman. Thanks again for listening to the Mental Metal Podcast produced by Caraggio Media, sponsored by Quick Cut, a video management platform for every level of play, and by Mental Metal Coaching helping athletes learn to face adversity in a spirited and resilient way. The Mental Metal Podcast is created each week to help players develop more mental toughness, and that is something that will help all of us. So help me out and like and share the Mental Metal Podcast with your friends. Until next
1: time, keep forging your metal.